0: Hi Dedicators and all our listeners. Welcome to the Dedicate Podcast. I'm your host Kate Ivey. On today's potty I chat to Storm Baines Ryan, a farmer and physio in Gisborne. I got Storm on after seeing a very useful post of hers about what level of pain to exercise through. So today in usual Dedicate Podcast styles we chat about her life challenges which includes ironically injury four kids with food intolerances, homeschooling, and more. We then delve into some physio advice, which I'm sure many of you will find super useful. A fabulous chat I know you'll enjoy. Hi, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are Here you? There
0: you go. Oh, look at that cool background you've got going there. How's your lip? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, I've got the six stitches. Um, the concussion's probably actually the worst part of it. So, How I've- are
1: you coping with that?
0: Um, I'm trying to rest as much as I can so I've cleared my afternoon so I'll do this podcast and then I need to put my daughter up probably about an hour after we've finished so I'll sleep in the car and then take her home and then I'll go to bed again trying to get over it yeah it's not something I've experienced before have you ever had it
1: yeah I have Um, and I've seen so many people with it and it's you have to treat it like a brain injury you can't treat it like a little knot to the head yeah, and any form of exercise and increased blood flow, as you can imagine, like to a wound, mm-hmm. can flare up your symptoms. Yeah, so I haven't um, been doing yeah, any really exercise I
0: because um, I can't. My balance is too out. I feel too dizzy.
1: So what happened? That sounds like a massive injury. Then.
0: Yeah, I um, was was playing basketball and I went in to steal the ball low, and she spun her head around really quite aggressively. Um, she didn't know I was there, I think. And she spun yeah. her head round and the back of her head just went flying. And it was quite because she moved so fast, it came in really, Yeah, really fast straight into my face. I've never experienced oh. anything like it.
1: Oh, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. But so anyway, I, I might off, be a bit I vague came today. off a mountain bike.
0: Oh, my goodness. How'd you do it's that? Right. I came off a mountain, oh, mountain bike. How'd you do that? Well, oh, obviously, just, biking. I, I
1: just, well, no. See, I decided that after being a rower, that at the end of my season, I would do a multi-sport race. So I went for a swim, and that was my swim training. Yeah. And I put the bike on the rack, and that was my bike training. And I'd never been mountain biking before, and it was proper mountain biking. So I – and I just – I had a rut over the front. And then I kept going. And I don't even remember driving home for three three hours.
0: Wow. So what symptoms do you have? Sorry, guys, this is all about concussion at the moment. And what symptoms did you have?
1: I don't even remember because I was living in a flat. I was just probably—I don't even know.
0: And so you think you probably, probably you wouldn't have dumb. looked after yourself very well, being young and you just no, mm.
1: no, no, no. I no, I don't know what I did. Yeah, and I actually have the feeling I did it again. I was hiking on my own a couple of years ago, and then I was like, actually, I'm feeling a bit weird, and I'm feeling a bit dizzy, and it, but. Dopey and a bit slow and a bit sleepy, and I think I must have hit my head while I was hiking. But I was on my own; didn't
0: knock myself out. But wow, scary! Yeah. And you just lost a bit of memory. Oh my god, freaky! Off the walk, <laughs> yeah. the adventures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Storm. What really pushed me to invite you was that fabulous post you did. You do lots, but the fabulous post, letting people know sort of what level of pain you can work through and what you can't and with a lot of my members well, all our members working out at home some at the gym but they're they're working out just them some of these things can get hard to manage to manage your bodies and know when to push through and know when to rest and all that type of thing and so I thought it'd be really cool to talk about that today and a few other things along those lines but in true dedicate podcast form first of all we will get stuck into learning more about you and your challenges throughout your life so, first yes. of all, can you just tell us um, a bit about what you do, where you live?
1: So, I'm physio and I've been a physio since 2002. I graduated with a Bachelor of Health Science with physiotherapy and then immediately went into a two year part time postgrad. So, I've got my postgrad diploma in musculoskeletal physio, which is basically sports and, and MNIPS. And then um, did a lot of time working in private practice as you'd expect like what most people think of as physio I did that Mm -hmm. um and then I hurt myself rowing and I had to change my job and there was an amazing lady um 20 minutes down the road who worked in pain management and returned to work so I worked with her for a few years and Mm -hmm. then we moved to Gisborne I did pain management Pilates um regular physio and then once I had my kids I took a break and so now um, we live in Tikaraka which is near Gisborne.
0: Yeah.
1: We have a uh, 63 hectare farm which is made up to about 80 hectares with lease blocks and we run sheep and beef, so we finishing. Um, my husband's a helicopter pilot and we have, he works off farm, I work off farm so that we can keep the farm and we have four kids, 13, 11, 9, and 7. And um, I homeschool all of them for three years. Oh, wow. And and three of them for all last year. And then um, this year, they've all gone to
0: school. Oh, well, so how is homeschooling?
1: It varied between amazing and really stressful.
0: Yeah. And
1: I made a mistake in letting, well choosing to give the kids a digital curriculum because they learn really well on screens. Unfortunately, that turned into like a whole digital addiction And by the end of it. It was really hard to actually interact with them because all they wanted to do was be on a screen.
0: It's such a hard one, isn't it? Outside of
1: that, it was eight screens. I love them for what we can do inside Mm. the world and the connection. When we use them for connection and creativity, I love them. Yeah. When we use them simply for consumption, I hate them.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. It's really hard to have one without the other mm. because they are so addictive. Because
1: what do you create? If you... Yeah. And then what do you create? What are people consuming? Mm. Yes, it is. And even just little things like that are so smart. And they could, they could change what they were watching. And they can flick between screens really quickly. So if I come in there, they change it. So that was the the downside of it. The upside upside of it is that I've sent my kids to school and all of them can cook themselves a meal. They can all um, look after any baby animal that's in peril that you could imagine. And they can keep it alive. Um, They... They could actually probably cook a meal from scratch, including growing the veggies, killing the animal, butchering the animal, processing and preparing.
0: Wow! So that's pretty cool. Um,
1: they can drive vehicles, yeah, and they can find themselves. They can find their way through the bush.
0: And what made you do that? And what made you do the homeschool?
1: The first two years was accidental. We were living inside the Auckland boundary when the first lockdowns happened, mm-hmm. and because my kids have some sensitive medical stuff. And at the time, I didn't understand the lower risk that was involved. I thought the risk was really high. So we kept the kids off school for longer during the lockdowns. Yeah, Um, We were seven minutes from the Auckland border, so we were quite rural. So we just, we homeschooled then. And then when we moved, um, we lived with my parents for six months. And the schools that are close to them were... um, 40 minutes away but they were also um, not necessarily what we wanted for our kids Mm -hmm. and so we I decided to keep homeschooling them so we did that for two years my son wanted to go to intermediate last year after catching up with a friend and he was like okay cool right let's go go and make some friends have some fun and then my daughter wanted to do that uh, as well so that was fine that's this year and then the two younger boys were very reluctant, but they're at a little local school. It's, it's going really well. And I said to the teachers, look, they might not be able to read to the levels that you want, mm-hmm. but they can do all of these other things. Their comprehension is beautiful. Yeah. That they understand all of the concepts, but the, the practical application of that, like the writing and things, is probably not there yet. And they were like, yeah. it's fine. We love
0: kids like that. Great.
1: So that made it okay for me to to put them into that still because yeah. they understood. And I, yeah, I think that's really
0: important in. that there's such a wide variety of knowledge out there and what we do in the classroom isn't all the knowledge that there is. so important that you got that message across to the teachers.
1: Yes, and um, what was really great was they were so receptive mm. of it. Mm. So, yeah, that's I think that's me.
0: In a nutshell. Yeah, cool. And, and off topic. No, no, that's perfect. It's sort of just evolving nicely the conversations, and especially with <laughs> with my head. I'm actually um just going to not look at you if that's okay, just because my head's that's fine. It's not enjoying screens. So I'm, I'm listening intently instead. So tell me about you mentioned there about your your kids' food intolerances. And you mentioned, you know, when we were emailing beforehand that it is a challenge having four children with food intolerances, which I'm sure it would be. So tell me about that. What have they got, and what are the challenges?
1: I'm going to start at the start. So when my son was born, within three weeks we were in a hospital with a screaming child who did not stop screaming, and I actually got told by a nurse that he was just naughty, and oh, they put at him in three the weeks old. At three weeks old.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> Um
1: oh. and. This carried on for two years. At one stage, he was waking up 24 times a night.
0: How many times, sorry?
1: And I was 24. Whoa. I kept a tally.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you that do, don't the you? One night yeah. that, you
1: know. For a week, I kept a tally. Yeah. Um, and it was hard. It was a slog and mm. everything was hard. And I tried different diets and nothing worked. So we just re- thought, this is just the kid we've got. Yeah. And then I had my daughter, and at eight days old, she was in hospital with aspiration pneumonia because she um, had such bad, or she had reflux, and then she aspirated that. And I spoke to a doctor, a pediatrician, who was very kind, and she said, I think, I said, can I try and help this reflux with food? And she said, yes, I think that would be a good idea, and I've seen people do it, whereas... Uh, um, Other doctors, uh, I actually I saw one subsequently who told me that taking out gluten was taking out a whole food group and that what was I doing? He didn't say that so politely.
0: Oh, goodness. Because it's, I mean, was it not so common then? Or, you know, it's pretty common now. No,
1: no, no. Yeah, yeah. And I I found a couple of supportive groups. But this group now, I think it's got 10,000 people. It was less than 500 people in this Facebook group when I started. And so I, we did an elimination diet with Aurelia and I could tell if somebody cooked something in a pan and didn't wash it properly and I ate it, I would have a sore stomach almost immediately. So I discovered I was intolerant to foods, but had been just dealing with it. Yeah. And then um, within a couple of hours, she would be awake screaming and she wouldn't sleep. So it was a really good biofeedback. If I got it mm. wrong, I wouldn't sleep. So I was really careful yeah um so when she was 18 months old she was noticing that other people were eating different food to her and she wanted to join in with the meals
0: so sorry what foods um was she not having what foods did you find were irritating
1: okay so it was gluten yeah dairy soy preservatives all legumes nuts and seeds Wow. essentially for a start we could eat venison yeah uh, venison and um and golden kumara that's all we could uh the first thing she could eat was avocado She couldn't eat av- anything more than avocado for about four or five months um and then golden kumara was all right but red kumara wasn't
0: oh precise isn't um, it? and then we
1: just gradually increased yeah it was incredibly precise yeah and then um so by the time we got well where we now are now is gluten dairy soy preservatives and we try and avoid uh, grains like rice um we're trying to avoid legumes and pulses as well but we can have some but this has been a 10 year 12 year process wow. so at, at 15 or 18 months um we gave everybody just I was just like I'm just feeding everyone the same I don't even care who you are you come yeah. to my house you eat my food
0: yeah
1: uh, this is what we do and so everyone started eating the same meals because I wasn't cooking four mm. and within three months my son who wouldn't look at the doctor who kept trying to escape from the doctor's rooms this is my kind of the worst moments were when we were locked in the doctor's rooms trying to find mm-hmm. out what was going on who would try and pull the curtain down Trying to escape, turn on the taps, wouldn't look at the doctor, wouldn't talk to the doctor, walked into the doctor's room and gave the doctor a high five. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So three months of this, and we have a kid who is completely different in the world. And it's not the be all and end all, but it's made such a difference. So we're still doing that for all of the kids on a on a sort of a modified thing. And now we're just working through. It's a bit tricky being at high school and being the only one with a different meal.
0: Yeah.
1: When So when they come home after eating something they shouldn't and we get aggression, lack of sleep, sometimes diarrhea, but mostly it's behavioral stuff,
0: hmm.
1: irritability, anger. Um, and then we get, we get diarrhea, sore stomach, eczema. Yeah. Um, so when... It's, but it's really hard when you're 13, being someone who's a bit different and has yeah. a different meal with your name on it in a different spot. Hmm. So we're just trying to work through that at the moment. But trying its its just always a work on and trying yeah. to find some compromises,
0: seeing if there are some foods that, if
1: it changes your behaviour. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's more we—we we do know we know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Until you can control yourself. With that, you can't have what because we just can't yeah. We just can't deal with grumpy people all of the time. Mm. So that's that's where we're at. Um, and that's that's for all of the kids, it's all it's all a challenge. Um, and so we don't go out to friends' houses. So mm. we don't go out for dinner. We don't go if we go to a cafe, I'm that woman going, Hey, look, is this actually properly gluten free? Yeah. Is it actually properly dairy free? Yeah, and if we go to a birthday party, I'll make the birthday party food um, that my kids can have, and I'll take a chilli bin, and my kids will have their food on the side, um, except for there's um, a lot of our friends, they get it, um, but we don't, we don't go out a lot, but if there is a birthday party, most friends will create a few things that my kids can eat, if not nice. a whole
0: party, oh, um, wow, but that's in general, great. as
1: adults, we don't go out,
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, does that make you it's feel um, socially isolating? Yeah, isolating. Yeah. And uh, do people mm. think you're a bit strange even? You know, do they think, oh, they like they don't really understand the reasons for it?
1: There are some people who are like that, and some people just don't get it after repeated discussions. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that there's people who don't spend time with us because it is hard
0: mm-hmm. in
1: terms of food. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Nobody's, um, you know, only family say things in a, but no, in general, I don't know what people are saying so yeah. nobody's really said, Hey, you're weird recently.
0: no. know, but you know how sometimes you just get a vibe um, from people.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> I do. I do get that on occasion for sure. Yeah.
0: So what would a typical um, dinner be for you guys?
1: So a normal dinner for us will be meat and vegetables just okay so that's somehow. pretty normal isn't it might it? Not be it might be it's really normal actually um but when you say you don't eat gluten you don't eat dairy they're like oh we can't give them a pasta meal we can't have, yeah you can't have bread you can't have all the things and it becomes really tricky but actually we just eat meat and vegetables in any
0: form yeah yeah so that's yeah.
1: basically what we do yeah and, yeah, it's great. And actually, I noticed um, my kids did a four-day surf life-saving carnival um, a year ago. We're going next week. And mm-hmm. we ate our food and the other kids were eating. I, I saw kids all over the place eating lollies, eating white bread sandwiches, all yeah. the things that for us, I'd be like, oh, we just can't. Yeah. So we just ate our food. And on the last day, there were kids just sitting around going, oh, I don't want to race. I'm so tired. Can we yeah. just go home? And my kids were still pumping.
0: Yeah. Uh, what we and eat so, is just as know. It's what you know. It's so yeah. important, but it's hard. Like I yeah. still find it hard yeah. with my kids to get that get that line right. With so many 100
1: things I also, available, so many things available. You go into the shops and there's all these things available. Mm. But the other thing is, and I said it to somebody um, very well, so I'm just going to repeat that. Um, I was at the beach with my chili bin one day and talking to a woman I hadn't met before, a friend of a friend. And she said, oh, so do you think everyone, so I, I said something like, well, we can't cope with gluten and dairy. She said, do you mean all humans? I was like, oh, no. No. We are all bio If You are happy on gluten and dairy and all those things and you are pumping and you're not sleeping well and your skin's awesome and your mood's awesome, go for it. I don't care. I yeah. just want you to have a good life. Yeah. I'm not here to say this is what everyone should have and mm. everyone should be doing. It's just this is what works for us and this is what I've noticed for us, but I'm not telling anybody what they should be doing.
0: That's a really interesting thing you say because I do feel like people, and I've experienced it myself, when you see someone who's being really strict on what they're eating or anything that they're doing you start judging yourself and what you do it's this weird thing where it's like oh they're doing that should I be doing it you know what am I doing wrong when and they're thinking that you're judging when actually you're just doing what you have to do for your own family yes does that make sense Yes, absolutely
1: absolutely yeah yeah absolutely and I just again I think we're all bio-individual
0: yeah, and there was a, um, something on Instagram recently which um, I thought, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. As soon as you start, as soon as someone starts eating really healthy or they're clearly, you know, doing taking steps to look after their health, everyone has an opinion on it. But when you're just eating anything and everything, no one has an opinion? No, no.
1: So everyone, um, I think it was that Gabrielle Lyons saying everyone's a nutritionist once you decide to eat meat and vegetables yeah but yeah chuck your burgers in your face burgers and fries and nobody's got anything to say about what no. you're eating
0: no it's fascinating isn't Agreed. it and yeah. I wonder if it's that yes. because it's everyone brings it back to themselves and thinks am I doing what you know am, is what I'm doing right or not and maybe gets a bit defensive yes. potentially about what they're doing and it's kind of highlights a gap in something that maybe they're not feeling that secure about. Like seeing someone else I eat really so. healthy threatens how they feel about themselves.
1: I think so. And um and I've seen a, a lot of people who are in the industry say if you are going to start making massive changes to what you do in terms of exercise and food and all those things in t- terms of health, then those people that you've been drinking with, been partying with, that you spend your old life with, they're going to have trouble with that. And mm. you might lose friends because that, that might be all you have in common.
0: Mm. Mm. Yes, interesting.
1: So I suppose that's another way for me to look at it as well.
0: Yeah. And we we change a lot throughout our lives. You know, people come in and out of our lives anyway, regardless of what we're doing, don't they?
1: Oh, 100%. It's the the nature of the world and especially the nature of the world now where we don't live in our villages our whole lives. Mm. We've got so much mobility, so much ability to connect with people that we're not necessarily going to live near our family.
0: Mm.
1: And so mo- people will move into and out of our lives because they are moving
0: and we yes. are moving. Yes, as opposed to, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like my best friend growing up um, is still my best friend, but she lives in Hawke's Bay. So, But if it was back in the day, we would have ended up marrying people that we were neighbours with and would have stayed friends or we are still friends, stayed living in the same place forever, wouldn't we?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm, fascinating. Exactly. Oh, I love this. Exactly. We've, Okay so you were mentioning earlier that it was a bit ironic really that you had to give up your physio and your rowing because of an injury. Yes. So tell us about yeah, that and how horrible. that affected you. Yeah.
1: So I was I was certain when I started rowing that I was going to make the New Zealand team and um, I did my novice year and did really well and I was quite audacious they were holding the piles the New Zealand University team and I'd only just done one year rowing which basically is the year you just learn technique and I um, didn't know they were having these um, trials but I knew that heard that the coaches were sitting having a meeting up in um, a rowing club so I went in and asked for the trial and I got the trial and I got into I got into the New Zealand University's eight and we traveled to Melbourne and we raced and we did not win but we (laughs) had a great time traveling um all over the area it was it was pretty marvelous um and then I was going places with rowing and then and I know now that The way I was eating, even though it was driven by a well-known, famous nutritionist, um, was not helping me. And I know now that if I eat like that, I just feel absolutely rubbish flat and Mm -hmm. don't have any strength or power. But, you know, hindsight's awesome. Um, But also, I was working and I, I was not so I was no longer a student. I was working. Um, and I also liked to party, and I wasn't willing to give any of those up or, and didn't think that the partying was a problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I think that that played a big part in not improving, and then um, over a few years, I'd met, you know, what happened? Something happened. I can't even remember now. And I got, so I got tr- trigger finger where I couldn't use my hands for working. And so um, I went overseas, spent some time in America and nannying with some amazing people, came back and then it just wasn't, I had surgery and then it just wasn't recovering. And my hands were just sore all of the time. And as the physiotherapy I was doing at the time was all hands on and I just, mm was in pain and,
0: and so then, sorry what was the, the injury childhood. what caused it how did okay. you how also, did you get the injury
1: I actually think it was probably an overused injury from rowing yeah. and working as a combination plus yeah. the inflammation from my diet mm-hmm. and what it was is just thickening of the um, tendons and so where they go through the gap um, in, in here where they go through the gap, underneath the retinaculum they would just flip. And every time they flipped, it just created a bit more irritation. Um, so eventually, that led to me over a few years. Um, that led to me having to give up both uh, physiotherapy hands-on. Um, I had carpal tunnel surgery, and yeah, it just it just wasn't going to be a solution for me to go back to hands-on work. And also, after that surgery, I lost my ability to grip for long periods of time and as you know a rowing race is um you know somewhere around eight to eight minutes long maybe 10 if you're going slow and um gripping very hard that time and so I had to give up rowing at the same time
0: as I had to give
1: up hands-on physiotherapy
0: well so how old were you
1: about 20 728 so yeah. you know I was seeing my friends who were Olympians and I'd be walking around in my rose and i would be like yes so um, in the grand scheme of things um, my friend Becky Poles she went to the Olympics she was 30 so I was looking up to her um, yeah. and thinking if she can do it I can do it Yeah, but I wasn't looking after my body well enough and you thought you were didn't you me.
0: you thought you were obviously oh, yes.
1: I, I thought I was because I'd stopped the partying. I was um, I was getting good amounts of sleep. I was doing gym work, but, you know, it wasn't quite enough. So anyway, it, it wasn't enough, but I did have to give up rowing, which was, um, it was the sport that gave me a huge amount of, um, I, don't, I don't know, it was faith in myself, but also just, if I couldn't sleep at night, I would imagine myself out rowing.
0: Wow. Yeah. It was, yeah, so you you gave up, It's you know, without hearing you speak, if you say someone, I said to someone I had to give up rowing because of my injury, oh, okay, I had to give up rowing. But you didn't give up rowing. You gave up your dreams. You gave up your passion. You gave up your self-identity. You gave up everything you knew that helped you feel like you. Yes. Yes. And so, how did you recover from that? What was the process?
1: Um, well, just after the last surgery, I got married, and um, what did I do? I swam because I have always, always loved swimming. Nice. So, being in the in the water, on the water, except the ocean, can't I can't you know I can't be on the ocean because then I feel a little sick. Um. Being in the water, on the water, those things make me feel great. So um, I swam, prepared for our wedding, and then got married. And then I got a new job, and I worked with um, an amazing bunch of women in Tikawiri, two specific women, um, Rob Lindstrom and Kate Paulson, And they were a bit older than me, and they were excellent at their jobs, and Kate took me through one of her programs and there was a lot of mindset and sometimes I'd say things and she'd say oh I've heard this one before will you just find something else to talk about and it was very kind but she was always very straight to the point so we did um, some mindset work she took me out bushwalking and we did some strength work and I just found another way to be in the world Hmm. And she was incredibly helpful. And then I got to implement those skills every day by working with them in terms um, in the pain management world. So people have had pain for a really, really long time and how to make that make their lives better. So I had some real world experience. I had lots of help um, in terms of looking at things differently, trying to do things differently, different things I could do. and so, yeah, I just did that and uh, we were working and trying to pay big mortgages and I was, um, Genge was working overseas steering, and so I was in charge of the house mortgage and we owned a vineyard at the time and I was also in charge of that mortgage and so I just work
0: a lot. Did you, you worked a lot, did, were you, Sort of not dealing with it, or that was just you know, was that a it coping was, mechanism? No, I was. You are happy in what no, you
1: are doing. No, I actually, I, I was happy in my job, but yeah. I also had to work. It wasn't like oh, I'm yeah. doing this to, no, I just had yeah. to work, and in between, I went to, uh, I went to the gym. I um, took the dog for a walk, and um, was feeling really. Like I was doing, I was doing a great job by um, keeping the mortgage paid
0: because
1: mm, nice. um, it was it was big.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you you said you both still still work now to keep the farm.
1: You yes. both work off so, farm to have the
0: farm. Um, yeah,
1: we both we both work off farm to have the farm. So up until around the time of Gabrielle, we I was on the farm running the farm and homeschooling the kids, and that was working. The farm was covering most of the costs, and Ginger's wages were popping it up, and then we had extras. Um, and uh, so Gabrielle was not the entire problem, but around the time of Gabrielle, there was an, an entire cascade of events, which had been coming for three or four years, to be fair. Um, our interest rates had nearly tickled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The um, input costs onto the farm have gone up really significantly
0: yep.
1: and the price we're getting for our stock was variable and at some one stage it took us three months to get stock that were ready off the farm because there weren't spaces for them in the works.
0: Hmm.
1: That's the very short version of it so yeah. over um, after Gabrielle I decided to re-register as a physio. I tried to during just before COVID, but um, the physio board made some pretty serious errors and I wasn't able to get registered. Um, So what happens is if you're a physio, you just register every year and then um, if you decide to take a break, you've got a specific amount of time and then if you want to come back, you have to go through a big process. Mm -hmm. I was one month out Mm -hmm. of the specific amount of time and I just ran into a bureaucrat who really just didn't want anything to do with helping me and in the end he had a bit of a shout at me and I had to check this but she asked him are you okay how's your mental health but anyway so I that off for a couple of years and I've just been back through the re-registration process which basically involved me having meetings um virtual and in person every week for fortnight with my supervisors mm-hmm. um, so i um, so after gabrielle we decided i would go back to work they uh, the physio board were happy with me working as long as i was supervised mm-hmm. um which was wonderful because my supervisors are really smart and they're like okay you're safe you're doing a really good job let's look at extending you we don't need to make sure that you're you're, you're okay we need to look at stretching you out so um, I went back to work in our local medical centre um, two days a week last year. I've been going that for just on, over six months. And now I've taken on another job in town.
0: That's obviously physioing as well.
1: Yes, it's physioing yeah. in, a, um, in a different clinic. So I'm yes. in a medical centre, which is an Ely owned medical centre, mm-hmm. just down the road. And then um, in town, it's just a physiotherapy company and one of my supervisors is the manager. so I wanted to do something for him as well because he spent a lot of time helping
0: me. Nice. and so how and many, many hours a week work? are you doing?
1: Um it will I'll be building up to somewhere around thirty by the beginning of March. And I'm at, I'm is about, that any hands- on 15. stuff
0: with your injury? Is that any hands-on stuff or is yeah. that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so my injury actually, looking back, has been wonderful in teaching me that physiotherapy doesn't have to be hands-on. Mm-hmm. Um, my old boss, I said to her, I was going back, she was like, oh, we've got your magic hands back. Yeah. And she, I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, I really did think that you did that. So now I know that that's not what I have to do all of the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that people understanding things like that, like about that pain, Yeah, and how much pain you can have to work with that education understanding whether it's dangerous or not how many exercises to do when which exercises all of that is very important so I do Mm. some hands on but I'm not treating myself like a massage therapist anymore
0: I think that's what a lot of people get wrong about physios though isn't it like they go along to a physio session thinking that the physio is going to work all the wonders and they go away again and then sometimes don't do the exercises when really it's a consult to help you, to to, to show you what you need to do in your own time to strengthen and get over that injury. Am I right?
1: That's 100%. So I have a little thing that I say when I meet my clients and I introduce myself. And then I say there's 10,080 minutes in each week. And if you're lucky, you'll get me this week for 60 but maybe for 30 next week the rest of the minutes are yours yeah so nice. what that means is I'm your coach, and I can provide you tools and we can take send you away with tools who to help you and we'll test those tools so they'll probably work you can come back to me and say hey Storm your tools are awesome and I'll say great that's data let's keep using these tools let's extend them or Storm these tools are rubbish and I'll say that's fine I've got a whole tool shed that's just data. We know that that's not the packet of tools we're using this week. We'll change. And so I'll do some hands on work when necessary to make it easier to just live. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes hands on is just so nice and is yeah. so helpful in getting over a little blip, but it's not my bread and butter anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Back to the pain scale. Tell us that for those listening who, you know, we all have little niggles from time to time. So talk us through the pain scale.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is in t- not in terms of your muscles burning when you're doing exercise. I don't care how hard that burns. It's <laughs> nothing to do with this. This is about injury type pain. And so if we talk about the pain scale being zero to 10 and zero is no pain and 10 is the most pain you can imagine. If you're exercising with an injury, we know that it is safe for you to exercise with a pain level with your injury of two to three out of 10. Now the caveat with that is that within 24 hours, this pain has settled back down to zero. If it hasn't, now that doesn't mean you don't do the exercise. What we can do is we can change the exercise we can change the range of the exercise change how many you do how long you do it for and how hard you work among other things and then you're hoping that within 24 hours you're back to zero and so there's lots of levers we can pull to get that back down to zero within 24 hours but don't involve stopping exercise because we know that exercise for most injuries we're going to take concussion out of the picture here (laughs) is helpful because it increases your increases blood flow so once you've increased blood flow you've got all the waste products moving away you've got increased oxygenation there's a whole another cascade of events that happen that will improve you um, improve your injury but also improve your overall well-being and that's not that's more what I look at So when I say meet somebody in my clinic, I say, tell me about who you are. I don't want to know about your injury yet because I treat humans and not anatomy. Nice. So if exercise is something that makes you feel better, even if you don't want to do it, then that's something that we need to find a way for you to do. So working at two to three out of 10 is awesome. It means that you can do your exercise. We know you're not doing any damage and then you can just go for it.
0: I love that advice so much. And so when should people, if they're having some niggles, when should people go and see a physio?
1: I actually really like the one week rule. So if you're hurt and it's not better in one week, then you should just go and see someone because the longer you leave it, the more changes you have up and down the chain. The more weakness you have, the more effort it's going to take to get back to where you want. Um, obviously if it's a massive injury don't leave it away so if you can't put weight on your leg then then that's you know if you can't sleep with the pain if the pain is significant then you need to go in more urgently but if you're at a nil say two three or four and it's just always two three or four and not really getting better then that's definitely time Come and see someone because after a week, it's probably going to benefit from a few directed, pointed, specific exercises, maybe some hands on stuff, maybe just an adjustment to your approach.
0: My other question was a lot of people use injury as a reason to not exercise. You sort of touched on this, but Mm -hmm. yeah, what would your advice be to them to encourage them to exercise?
1: Obviously, generalised, not specific advice Mm. here, because, you know. Um, Exercise has benefits outside of muslimatic. It has benefits for sleep, for metabolism, for how your brain works, for how you interact with people for your aerobic fitness blood flow it's massive and not exercising because you are sore is um, quite an old-fashioned thing that came with the rest ice compression elevation and we took rest as sitting on the couch being a slug where actually rest needs to be doing whatever you can without flaring up whatever's going on so let's say it's an ankle sprain. Obviously, you're not going to go running. Mm-hmm. But how? If you can walk, then that's probably okay. But what about swimming with a pool boy between your legs if you can't? Mm-hmm. If it's that sore, there's you can do some upper body strength work. You can find something that works for you and do that. Mm-hmm. And that gives you all of the benefits of exercise. And then it allows you to move sideways back into the sport or the activity that you love.
0: That's such great advice. And I see more and more dedicated members doing that, which I think is amazing. And, you know, they message in and say, I've hurt my leg. Um, which one's the best for upper body, for example? And it's awesome. Perfect. Um,
1: Perfect. And I think that's really neat that it's coming out, that people are starting to think more like that, but takes a lot of people saying the same thing because otherwise it'll be just me sitting here you know going you should exercise mm. and if it's just one person then that doesn't feel like it's safe no and if you don't feel safe then that's you're unlikely to exercise
0: and the hard thing is we're still trying to encourage people without injuries to exercise you know there's so many people who don't have exercise a part of their lives and don't prioritise it, even when they feel like they should. So it's a whole other step, again, to convince people who have a niggle or an injury to exercise as well.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, some of my clients getting in and out of the chair is is their exercise. right? In the ads, in your programme at lunchtime, I want you, you're going to do, you've got three exercises. So for the first ads, you do 10 sit-to-stands. Mm-hmm. The next one, you do knee extensions, whatever we give, we've given her. And for the next one, you're going to do your rows. For her, that's exercise. And for her body, that's also exercise. Hmm. But, but that's massive. For someone else, that's just going to be their normal day. And yeah, there are a lot of barriers to people exercising. Um, in our town, actually, people don't go for a walk because there's dogs that bite them.
0: Oh goodness! Oh, that's yeah. hard, isn't it?
1: So it's actually a massive. It's a massive health problem because mm. there's all these beautiful people living in our town, and we're well, a little village down the road, mm. and they can't go for a walk because they do get attacked. Wow! Hmm. That's Even huge. on a bike sometimes.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. and it gets reported, but nothing happens. Yes,
1: because. Um, the council's unable to do anything there's threats I don't know what you can do when you're being threatened yeah. if you take somebody's dog
0: mm. that is very hard um and mm. there's I guess there's a bit of poverty and things like that so you know you can't suggest hey, get a treadmill
1: oh no 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 there's there's none of that it's mm. it's it's heartbreaking that mm, that, is. that they are uh, almost locked into their houses. Oh, they can't goodness. drive somewhere because they don't
0: have the money for petrol. So you can't drive somewhere and then go for a walk. You're just trapped in your home. And what about kids walking to yeah. school and things like that?
1: Um, I don't. So there's one side of town that's okay, and I don't know how the other kids are getting to school.
0: Oh. Has yeah. there been any change in lifestyles or, I guess, in poverty since Cyclone Gabrielle up around Gisborne?
1: I can only speak for what I see in my area and the people I see. Um, what I see in the clinic is that more than 50% of the people I've have seen have been impacted such that their mental health is not very, not as mm-hmm. it's not in a place where they have a, a nice life and mm-hmm. I'm referring them on to um our health improvement practice. Now we've got a, a great service where this wonderful lady comes in and looks at all the pillars of people's lives and where there might be a, something more that can be done to help them not for them but to help them and um And that's been helpful. But I'd say more than 50% of my clients I've referred on for that. Probably 10% have declined that because they've been, um, you know, I don't need help. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Most farmers I see are still battling with just, the the fences are still not fixed. The slips Mm. are still not grassed. The tracks that were fixed got washed away in June and then again in November. Mm. And there's, I, I spoke to the stock agent about it because I only see uh, my clients. And he said, everyone's a bit mopey. Everyone's a bit down. Everyone's heads are down a little bit. So, in terms of lifestyles, I don't know. Um, outside of the people I see. But one lady I met two days ago, um, her leading discussion with me, with me was how the f- blood washed out her bridge. And that's a year later. And that was still the thing that's in the forefront of her mind.
0: It's been rebuilt. So I don't know. That's just north. what I'm
1: seeing. Um, it has it has been rebuilt now, but um, but it was still the impact that that had is still the first thing that she led with in the
0: conversation. Mm. And it just it's, overnight, you know, her safety and security was so compromised, yeah. isn't it? And that's probably yeah. one of the most essential things we have yes. in life. Yes, Storm. I'm feeling really not good. <laughs> And I know that you respect that. I yeah. need to look after my head. So we're going to do some fun questions. But we've got through, oh, we've we've been an hour. We've got through so many amazing topics. It's very cool. So this is just a bit of fun to finish. This or that? There's 10 questions. Weights or Pilates?
1: Okay. Oh, goodness. Weights.
0: Exercise in the morning or night? Morning. Be injured or be sick? Oh, sick. Like really sick, I mean. Still sick?
1: Oh, no, injured. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, injured, injured. Coffee or tea? (laughs) Coffee.
0: (laughs) On the farm or being a physio? Farm. Interesting. That's your...
1: I love my job. Mm -hmm. I love my job. This has been... It's We bought this farm because it was our dream to own a farm. Yeah. And I wanted to be a physio from when I was 12 years old. I knew that that was all I wanted to do. Mm Mm-hmm. But when we got the chance to buy the farm I was happy to not physio but when I do my job I'm so lit up and I actually looked at my stress levels yesterday and I had two clients and I had lower stress when I was with my clients than when I was trying to write the damn notes
0: Well you can you can tell just by talking to you and hearing your passion and knowledge shine through and just yeah, the tone and your voice and everything so it must be a powerful feeling when you're out on the farm then. Yes. And you're lucky to have two incredible passions.
1: I am. And, yeah, and I get to do both.
0: Yeah. All right. Would you rather plans or surprises?
1: Oh, surprises.
0: Mm-hmm, love it. False hope or unnecessary anxiety?
1: Both of those are really, I was going to swear, rubbish. Really yeah, rubbish.
0: Horrible, aren't they?
1: False <laughs> I don't even know what they mean. I'd say
0: false hope. Both are horrid. No company or bad company?
1: Both are horrid. No company.
0: Funny movie or a drama? Funny. And would you rather arrive early or arrive late?
1: Oh, early. It never happens, but i much prefer to arrive early.
0: (laughs) Oh, Storm, thank you so much. I have highly enjoyed talking to you today. I love, I've said it, I've loved how we've sort of touched on topics that we didn't necessarily know we were going to, which is great. It's been wonderful to hear about your challenges, how you've overcome them, and your wisdom as well. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. I've actually really enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to it.
0: Oh, good. And, yeah, I look forward to connecting more on Instagram. It's our place.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Yeah.
0: Right. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of the day. Yeah. We'll talk soon.
1: You too. Let's do that. Go and have a good rest.
0: Thank you. I will. I'm actually feeling like I could vomit, which is back to where I was at like the day after. So I need to rest. Ugh. Thank I you so much, Storm. It You've made, um, made that very enjoyable morning for me. So thank you. And for me. Thanks, Kate. See you. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to the Dedicate podcast. And thanks so much to Storm for your time. If you enjoy the Dedicate podcast, please hit the subscribe button. It helps people to find us. If you're new here, welcome. Here are some popular episodes you may want to catch up on. Liv Hewitson, Dwarfism, Motherhood and Instagram. Sarah Dickey, Bulimia, Motherhood and Mindset Coaching. Madison Coulter, Canadian upbringing, Moving to New Zealand and the Massive Challenge of Becoming a Full-Time Artist. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And if you're not already a dedicated member, come and join our supportive online fitness community with your seven-day free trial at kateivyfitness.com. See you next time.